0: thanks associate vicar of the church (laughs) he's also my husband (laughs) very useful great it's good to be here and just a really warm welcome to you i know a few people here are are here for the first time tonight so it's wonderful to have you with us my name is louie and i'm the curate here so we are continuing in our series on ezekiel and before we do our reading just a thought for you If you're facing trouble or difficulty at the moment, the message you're probably receiving through Instagram or through your friends is, you can do it, push yourself harder, you've got the strength within you. But Ezekiel's name means God will strengthen. And maybe our passage tonight will cause us to question that cultural gospel of self-actualization. So I'm gonna read from Ezekiel 37 verses one through to 10. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of Man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. A rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them then he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to it this is what the sovereign Lord says come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So as we have a look at this vision and unpack it together, I'm gonna to look first at what the vision was and then Ezekiel's response to it and then what it might mean for us in our lives today. And a quick recap of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet, he was a priest. He, this was written down 500 years around there before uh, Jesus's time. And he was in exile with a remnant of the people of Israel, a remnant of the faithful few. He was there with them in a foreign land, and it was a really hopeless, bleak season for those people. And so this vision that Ezekiel receives is a, is, is a picture of the hopelessness. If you like, it's a picture that encapsulates the emotional place that this people group were in. And I have to confess, as I, um, as I begin this this evening, that I have certainly romanticized this passage. I don't know about you, but it's probably um, the, the passage from Ezekiel that I've most often heard preached on. And um, there's a book called Funny Bones. Does anyone know that? um janet yeah i'm getting a few nods. janice and Alan allberg that i was read when i was little about these like little skeletons that come to life and dance around it's a really quite a fun book um there's also a christian song about bones coming together like hip bone connects to the knee bone and all that any nods anyone yeah okay some of you grew up that as well um and you hear all this stuff and it's kind of like oh this jolly song about bones and it's something like a sort of americanized halloweeny thing for five-year-olds but actually This is really quite a foul and disturbing vision. If God gave me this vision, I would really be quite horrified and shocked. It's really a picture of, it's like a mass human grave that he's been made by the Lord to look at and to imagine himself walking around in. There's the presence of death, the sound of bones crunching under his feet. And uh, as I thought about this some more, I looked up uh, this vision in in art and I wanted to see how artists have represented it. And so hopefully we're going to have a slide with um, a picture which was, yeah, here we go. This is by Gustave uh, Doré, who's a 19th century French um, engraver. And um, I think this gives us something of a flavor of how dark and bleak this picture was. It's obviously a monochrome which, um, because of the engraving, but I think that helps us to understand just the bleakness here. This is a gory image, and it is akin to the aftermath of war. And as a priest, uh, Ezekiel wouldn't have been allowed to touch a dead corpse and part of, his bod- part of his work sorry, would have been to ensure a proper burial of the dead and to make sure that um, those who had died and their families were shown respect by the way that their um, burial was conducted. And so for him, this would have been very, very distasteful to be shown this sort of image by God. And so what do we know about these bones? We know from verse two that there are lots of them. It says there were very many and we know that they were very dry. So these are the bones of people who are not freshly dead. They've been dead for a long time. And as people who haven't been buried properly, for Ezekiel, that would have given him the message that these are people who've died under a curse. So we can uh, thank you for showing that. We can take that down. So what all that means is that this is a picture of total death, of total despair. All hope is lost. Verse 11 says, these are the bones of the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. And I don't know about you, but all this, this chat about desiccated, dry bones might feel kind of a bit strange, but alien, not necessarily feeling hugely relevant uh, to your life today. But actually, I think we are in a global and a cultural moment where this vision is more relevant than ever. We've got a war going on in Europe. The plight of oppressed Ukrainians is all over our news feeds every day. We're listening, aren't we, on the news to this talk about increased cost of living. We're in a very unsteady post-pandemic season. And many of us here will be feeling hopeless, maybe for some of those reasons, but maybe for all sorts of other personal reasons too. So how did Ezekiel respond when God showed him this? In verse three, God asks him this really interesting little question. He says, can these dry bones live? He's asking Ezekiel, can these dead bones come back to life? And Ezekiel says, sovereign Lord, you alone know. When we feel without hope, when we're um, in pain or debt or depression, sickness, facing grief, it can be so hard to communicate with God. I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm I'm in a really dark season, that's the time when often actually I just want to kind of shut down my prayer life because I can't really put the fact that God is good and exists and what is going on or how I feel together and so there's this kind of like oh I'm stuck I I just don't know how to communicate with you right now so it can be hard to bring our hopelessness before the Lord but when God asks Ezekiel that he doesn't say with this he doesn't give a sort of glib oh yes God of course the bones can live if you say so all things are possible in you then of course the bones will spring back to life there's not a glib quick, ill-thought-through answer, but also he doesn't uh, lose hope. He still has faith, even in this place of hopelessness. And his answer is kind of saying, God, I do not have a clue, but I still have faith. I do not have a clue how this is going to pan out, how hope is going to come through, what I see as completely lifeless and hopeless, but you are sovereign. He doesn't expect God to tell him what's gonna happen next when he's in a place of pain. And when we're wrestling, when we're in a season of life, and some of us may be in this, or maybe some of us need to hold on to this for when we're next in one of those seasons, when we're wrestling and we're saying, Lord, why on earth is this thing happening? Why is this thing happening to me? Or why is this going on with someone that I love? There's a place for saying, Lord, you are sovereign. And you alone know there are some mysteries that we just cannot get our heads around but our God is big enough to hold them and to hold us in the midst of them so why can Ezekiel have this deep trust even in this place of suffering and even in the face of death let's have a look at the meaning of this vision which is a promise of true hope It's a promise of renewal of what is dead and of life for what is dry and hopeless. I'm going to read verse 5 and 6 again. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. And the key word in there is this Hebrew word breath, which in Hebrew is ruach. And that can be translated in two different ways. In the Hebrew, it can be translated as wind or as spirit. So if you think about that passage again, and we translate it as spirit, think about, as I read this to you again with the word spirit in the place of breath, think about the New Testament and the link that we've got here, which is just remarkably clear. I will make my spirit enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my spirit in you and you will come to life. That's our promise. That's the New Testament promise that we can live by. That promise of the life giving spirit is for you and for me. And that's God's intention for the whole of humanity right from the beginning. And we get this beautiful little clue in Genesis to that. So when God in uh, Genesis 2-7 creates Adam, he breathes into Adam the breath of life. And that's that same word, ruach. The breath is what brings humanity to life. The spirit is what brings humanity to life right from the start of creation. And then we get a reflection of that right at the end um, of of the Bible towards the end, at the end of John's Gospel, when Jesus uh, reappears after the resurrection to Mary and to the first disciples. And it says that he breathes on them. That's one of the first things he does after the resurrection is breathe on them and they receive the spirit. So it's one of those beautiful little thematic strands that runs across the whole narrative of Scripture our God is always a God whose character is to breathe spirit filled life on his people so then if we read on in verses 7 to 9 Ezekiel prophesies it says as he was commanded he speaks as he was asked to and there's this crazy rattling sound and there's a sort of clattering noise and the bones begin to move, and then they regrow tendons and flesh. I think this is really quite eerie. I mean, you imagine all these dry bones, and then they suddenly regrow flesh and hair and teeth and skin. And basically, you're surrounded with a whole bunch of corpses that have regrown stuff on them, but they're still dead. I mean, I would find that utterly terrifying. But that's what he sees. And then it says that those uh, those are filled with the true breath of God, and they actually come to life, and they become this vast army filled by the Spirit. They're no lo- no longer corpses, but they are living, breathing beings. And I want to show you another piece of art. This one. Um, yeah, this one a little bit more um, contemporary. This is by Bridget Riley. And um, if you've been to the National Gallery, you might well have seen this. This is like um, in the National Gallery where you kind of come into the cafe and the shop area. And it's called Messengers. And if you hate contemporary art, you'll hate this. I find this really fascinating. Just take a moment to um, to look at the dots. So it's the dots. The rest of it is not the artwork. That's the kind of room. I don't know if that comes across on the photo, but. Just look at the um, dots for me for a moment. Do you see anything happening? Anyone? What do you see? You see arrows. Anyone else? So what happens if you, if maybe this doesn't work on this side because it's better in the real, real life, it was obviously better. But if you look at the dots, like your eyes see little reflection of the other dots and that's because of the way that she's used the geometric pattern in that. And so it's like the dots multiply. Hence the word messengers and in the National Gallery, you will know there are lots and lots of paintings of angels, um, which is thought to be her inspiration behind the ideas of messengers. But for me, that speaks so much of the call of the resurrection and the implication of the resurrection for us, that we are called to be messengers of this incredible truth that God has revealed and is revealing to us, that we're called to be a vast army and not an army uh, with human strength or weaponry or power, but we are an army of weakness. We are an an army not operating in our own strength, but we are an army of the Spirit of God, an army of spirit-filled, renewed, revived people inviting others to discover new life. I've been reading um, a book by the BBC journalist Emily Maitlis, which is totally fascinating, and she tells all these anecdotes of lots of the interviews that you will no doubt have um, watched and heard her doing, Um, all sorts of different people. Each chapter is a different person, and there's like Simon Cowell and the Dalai Lama, and you get this inside insight into her her world and her conversations and one of the most fascinating chapters in that that book is an interview that she does with Donald Trump and it's a while before he became president and he was over in Scotland and um, She's just talking to him and she's trying to work out Him as a person like who is this man? What's he all about and she listens to these really quite um claims that he makes and and it's like she's slowly beginning to realize that there's a kind of element of doubt in her mind about some of the things that he tells her but um he tells her he tells them with such force and conviction that she finds herself believing what he's saying And um, she says his art form is in the power of positive thinking to make things true by saying them. Would America become great again under his political leadership? Well, of course it would. It's a fake, falsified hope that she sees when she listens to him. And what this vision in Ezekiel 37 gives us is, if you like, the complete opposite of that. This vision holds a promise for us that we as God's people can live with true hope, hope of strength in the face of despair, hope of new spirit-breathed life. Christians are not just optimists. We're not just people who like to live with the power of positive thinking, but actually our hope runs far deeper Even for us, death is not something to be feared. Pope Francis said, hope is the virtue of a heart that doesn't lock itself into darkness, that doesn't dwell on the past, but is able to see a tomorrow. True hope is able to see a tomorrow and it's a tomorrow in and with Jesus. It might be a messy tomorrow, imperfect, a journeying tomorrow, but true hope, trust that there is a tomorrow, whatever we're facing, and that the love of Jesus will be wrapped around you right through it. Finally, our hope is in a God who invites us to partake in his power. This is not about self-actualization. This is about spirit actualization. It's the power of God's Spirit that even enables Ezekiel to see that vision in the first place. Without the Spirit of the Lord, he would never have seen what God gave him to see. One of my favorite theologians is called Evelyn Underhill, and she writes this, Supernatural power is still the inheritance of every Christian, and our idea of Christianity is distorted and incomplete unless we rely on it. So it's to our God of hope that we can bring our deepest places of pain and despair, of lifelessness, of dryness and emptiness. Maybe your valley of dry bones is a marriage that's drained of life. Maybe it's a work situation that looks completely hopeless. Maybe it's a career trajectory that is feeling purposeless. Maybe it's seeing those news feeds that offer us nothing but a loss of hope in the goodness of humanity. Or perhaps you're mourning somebody that you loved and who brought light into your world. But God's light is brighter. He longs to breathe new life on each one of us today. We can come to him today, perhaps uncertain in the fortune of our broken bodies or our blinded worlds, but we can bring him those dry areas of our lives and hearts. And we can be certain of a true hope in the God of resurrection life, who will restore us and renew us fully in the power of the Spirit. Amen.